In January, the church celebrates Baptism of Our Lord Sunday, normally right around when we celebrate Epiphany. We remember that Jesus was baptized. So today I just want to reflect for a couple minutes about the meaning of baptism. Now, there's actually no baptism in the Old Testament, something that comes along in the New Testament. But, but it, it does replace several things that happen in the Old Testament. Number one is the idea of ceremonial washing, that Jews would wash their hands before they enter the temple, before they eat. Remember, Jesus washes his disciples' feet. Um, that washing was important. And around Israel, you can still find mikveot, or these, um, uh, these like little pools where there were steps going in, step going out, so that you could wash yourself before going into the temple. And so there's washing. Number two is the idea of circumcision, that for the Jews, you marked in, your, in the bodies of your children, your male children, that they were to be gods. And so circumcision, circumcision is this major mark of identity is picked up in the New Testament really as baptism. And then there's also this idea of, of anointing someone with oil. There were times when the priest would do that. This was done of kings and priests. And so uh, all those images sort of come together in this figure, John the Baptist, a relative of Jesus, who comes like an Elijah figure announcing the way of the Lord, preparing the way of the Lord, announcing the coming of the Messiah, is baptizing in the Jordan River uh, just above the Dead Sea there. And uh, here's the story. We'll pick it up in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Do you come to me? But be Jesus answered, Let us let it be so for now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he cons he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold the heavens opened to him, and he saw the, the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So, a number of quick things to point out. Um, one, John is baptizing. Again, something we don't see in the Old Testament, but he has his own practice. And his baptism is a baptism of repentance. Okay, is You're dying to your old way, and you're moving on to something else. Repentance isn't saying, I'm sorry. Repenting is relenting. It's turning. And so John is calling for the people of Israel to turn from what they've been doing and get their hearts ready because God is about to new, do a new thing. The Messiah is coming. So when Jesus comes and John recognizes Jesus, maybe they even played together as children. They, their families, they're, they're related. They would have known each other. Um, but when he sees Jesus, he doesn't want to baptize him. He says, you don't need this. And is, isn't that kind of a weird thing, right? Why does Jesus need a baptism of repentance? If he is without sin, he doesn't need to repent. But Jesus says, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And so in some ways, Jesus is doing it as an example for us. But, but also, I think Jesus is, is trying to live out the, the whole thing, the whole life, the whole Christian life for us. And so, uh, so that when we are baptized, uh, we are part of his life and he's baptized into our lives. Uh, and so th that's the great image of repentance is that you die to yourself. And that, that's another Old Testament image, the idea of a sacrifice that an animal has to be to be killed in your stead. But in, instead, in baptism, 
when you go under the water, it's like you go in the tomb. And then you come up new. And in fact, it used to be that when you got baptized, you got a new name. Okay? In fact, to this day, when I do a baptism, I say, what is the Christian name of this child? Because some people would actually change their name at their baptism because they were becoming a new person. They were dying to the old self and becoming new. Jesus doesn't need to do that, but he does that so that we in Christ can do that with him. Now, um, we as good Presbyterians don't dunk people. We actually can. We could go to a pool or river. We're allowed to do that. Uh, but we like things clean and in order as Presbyterians, so we often sprinkle. But again, if you understand this idea of ceremonial washing, you understand anointing heads with oil, it makes sense that we can also anoint like that. So Jesus does this, and then we get this amazing moment of the Trinity. That there Jesus is in the water, then the heavens open, and, and it's this text says, the Spirit of God descends like a dove. So it's not a dove. It's like a dove. Important distinction. Okay, uh, the authors of the gospel are trying to make sense of what they see, and they just say, eh, it's like a dove. So we have the Spirit, we have Jesus in the water, and then we have this voice of, of, from heaven confirming that he is his beloved Son. And so we clearly have a Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now there's all kinds of other passages in which I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, I will send my Spirit. But, but this is the one place where we really clearly see as three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, to our knowledge, Jesus never baptized. Jesus, in all the Gospels, he never baptizes anybody. But, but his disciples do. They do at Pentecost. They must have seen this as important because of Jesus and because of John. And so, since the early Christians, baptism was important. It was a symbol of coming to new life. And just like circumcision could be done on children... The early church did that to children, too. They baptized them, saying, this, this child is going to grow up to follow Jesus. And so I hope this week you think about your baptism. Um, I, I try to remember my baptism. I have recorded in my phone the day of my baptism, and I think about it as my spiritual birthday. And I even have my kids' baptismal dates in my calendar so that every year I can say, hey, it's your birthday. They'll say, no, it's not. But I say, yes, it's your spiritual birthday. This day, where, And so I would ask you, do you know your spiritual birthday? What day were you baptized on? Have you ever thought about celebrating it as a spiritual birthday? And if, if you're blessed enough to still have your parents around, ask them to tell you the story of your baptism. Because everybody has two birth stories. They've got the story of their actual birth, and they've got the story of their spiritual birth, their baptism, and how did that happen, and who was there, and who was the pastor, and did I cry, and what, what dress was I wearing, or was I wearing a suit, or what was... Ask your, your uh, family, see if you can dig out some pictures of your baptism, and remember it as your spiritual birthday, that the moment in some special way where you died and came back anew, where you became someone different, where maybe you got a new name, or you... The Spirit of, of God descended on you in a special way. Remember that and celebrate it.